We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. The 50 Cent Piece by Yasunari Kawabata, up for discussion today. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make no 50 Cent jokes, I promise. <laughs> I think you just made one. <laughs> Maybe halfway through the video. Uh, see what I did there? <laughs> all right, so... I like this quote here. It was a custom that the two yen allowance she received at the start of each month be placed in Yoshiko's purse by her mother's own hand in the form of four silver 50 sen pieces. And I don't know about you, but to me, it, it, it I don't know, it just brought back these emotions. I, I can recall getting an allowance. I can recall being young and it's just like, wait, I pick up these toys and you give me money? Your parents must have been a lot nicer than mine because picking up my toys and keeping my room clean was mandatory. I had other chores that I did get paid for. I had to take out the garbage. I had to do the bathrooms. And I think I had to do the animals. But yes, definitely the same feeling of you learning that kind of work hard. But also I felt like it was almost like that control aspect of life as well is you're going to do this for me and I'm going to give you money. And there's a sense of power and control there as well that I felt the dynamic of parent over child. And even nowadays, I, I kind of reminisce of that, of my job is the same way, right? They have the power over me, but they're buying my time. Well, in our time, we I don't think we, uh, I didn't understand value per se at, at that age, you know, I don't think I was seven, but I was probably like 10, 11, 12, started making money, eventually went external for jobs and such. But you did get a, a scarcity sense from the money that came in, right? Like, like you couldn't make allowance happen faster, right? Like she gets these four silver 50 cent pieces each, um, was it week? Month. At the start of each month, right? Yeah. So, so she, it doesn't come in faster. And if we look at Yoshiko, she's she's hesitant to spend the money, right? I, I don't want to say she's a spendthrift, but she wants that money to be worth something, to go someplace, right? And I don't know about you, but depending on you know high school era, younger, older, sometimes it was video games. There was always this specific goal that I was working towards, right? And, and this allowance, this money, was something that moved you closer to that goalpost? I always kept my money close to the vest and it was only used on things I, I definitely wanted. Now, as I've got older, I think that I've started to realize the flaws in that logic of, well, what are you saving it for? Yes, you can hoard your money a little bit and save for something bigger, but there's also that satisfaction of get something now, feel better now, because there is that dopamine hit of, of buying stuff. We have been raised in an, a society of you know, capitalism that you, when you buy things, it makes you feel better. And I'm susceptible to that, like just anyone. <laughs> but Yoshiko, I think is similar, right? She's not immune 
to to pleasures and such, right? Like, you know, there's this quote where they say she was simply afraid of carelessly spending the silver 50 cent pieces that had taken on such deep-seated importance in her mind. So in the same way that she reflects somehow that these this money is important because it's going to get her something. And that's when she eventually starts going to the store and she sees that paperweight with the carving in it and she she feels it, she touches it, and then she puts it back. And then she goes through this rinse and repeat cycle for like 10 days or something like that, touching it, getting closer to it. And to me, it's kind of like that idea of, of experience where when she's holding it, when she's touching it, it has, has tangible value literally to her. And it's not just in a quick frivolous exchange where she throws money at something. She wants to make sure that when she does exchange this money that she has to work hard on and, and make sure she doesn't just throw away. She wants to make sure that her purchase is going to be worth it. That's that economic piece that you'd mentioned before of she worked really hard gave up her time, gave up months of her life in order to have this object, is it really worth it? And I think that she's learning at a young age the value of hard work, the learning of time, saving, and it, it, this scarce item that I have, this finite amount of money, is it worth it to trade for this physical object? Is that going to give me more pleasure than the security of knowing I have this money that I could buy at any time I want, or I could buy something else in place of it. And I think that's a lesson that, you know, takes a long time for many of us to learn. Yeah. But I think it's that, that constant experience with the item that she starts to build that anecdotal history with, right? Like the object becomes something to her. And then eventually by the end of the story, it kind of becomes a memory of the house of that time of that age. Even I remember, I mean, it seems kind of weird, but I remember the PlayStation hits, when they hit like what is it, whatever it was like a million sales or whatever it is, and they'd go down to twenty bucks. Like that was my favorite section to go to at Best Buy, just because like I don't know, it just has a certain nostalgic element to it. And this is this little girl saying, "Hey, a lot of my possessions have that that mnemonic trigger almost uh, of remembering an event, a scene, an important thing in my life." And in this case, the paperweight almost becomes like a mnemonic device to think of the house when she had her mother because we learned that her mother passed away in the war much later in the story. 1000% hit the nail on the head with that one, man, because nostalgia is the key here. I think a lot of to what the story revolves around in this physical object because we house those memories of our childhood, which is a more innocent time, a more free, caring, fun time of our life for many of us, not everybody, obviously. My entire room here is surrounded by nostalgic objects. I look and there's my signed picture, you know, of Mark Hamill. There is, you know, my diploma. Uh, I have, you know, all my Nintendo games right over there to uh, my side. And I'm like, oh, Super Mario 3. I remember getting that. Oh, Legend of Zelda, you know, I remember uh, playing that with my friends and it takes me back to sitting on the floor in my little, you know, chair that was on the ground playing with, you know, uh, uh, my brother Tony. And that's a lot. And that's important because that is who we are, I think, and, and can define you as a person. And this does this in the story. So we've talked about the beginning. We've talked about the end in terms of like the parts. There's this middle part. Right where she remembers going to it was like a shopping area, some center, something like that. But she remembers the basement, the bargain area, which is where it was designed to make you waste your money. Right. Yeah. And the and the mother's all excited. She sees these umbrellas, and it's like, Mom, you've got this old umbrella at home. And it's like, oh, that old thing. Oh, we could give it away as a gift. She she's 
almost looking for excuses for why would she purchase this umbrella, the mom that is. How did you take Yoshiko's reaction? Like, why inject this into the middle? Like, What's the purpose of these umbrella hunting adventures? I feel like it's two things. One, I feel like the mom is trying to test her, give her a life lesson of seeing, like, is she just going to throw her money away and be like, oh, yeah, let's get the next best thing. Let's give away what we have, which works and functions and is fine, and try to get the best, new, brightest, and shiny. Those people that have to get the new iPhone every single year, right? Those people that get a brand new car once a year and are leasing it. That That's a lot of money and an investment. Uh, is that going to happen? And I think, too, maybe a little bit of FOMO testing her daughter to see will she have that fear of missing out of something new or will she be content in what she has? And I think that's a really important life lesson. So both of your interpretations rely on the mother being aware and setting it up as a lesson. Is is there an opportunity that her mother was just being and just excited to waste her money on things and Yoshiko was reflecting upon that? Oh, definitely. I think that's one interpretation that the mom is maybe frivolous with money and there is no lesson here. She's not trying to impart any knowledge or wisdom upon her daughter. I definitely could see that as well. I, I For once, I'm trying to be the optimistic um, parent that <laughs> that's not a parent. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. Whether the, the mother intended it or not, we don't know, right? But we do see maybe some differences, right? Because when she brought that paperweight home, one, she had visited that shop every day, you know, the feeling, the touching of it, getting to know it intimately and like how it felt and the grooves. And at first her mother ridiculed her for wasting money on something so stupid, right? But then it's once she touched it and once her older sister touched it too, while they ridiculed it first, they, I think they grew to appreciate it a little bit. And there's something to be said there about, you know, maybe thinking about things, thinking things through, maybe experience with things. And maybe there's even a comparison there with the umbrella, right? And the bargain bin designed to waste your money. You're literally trying to come up with the purpose for something before having it, before experiencing it, before thinking about it for a while. You got to buy it now or you're going to miss out. It's a common marketing and sales technique, right? But sales, at the same sales, time, sales. The, that, <laughs> but that, that dis distances you from the purpose, the memory, the reason why we have this product. Oh, we bought it because we might give it to somebody. I don't know who. We might just give it away, right? As opposed to a specific carving of this paperweight that reminded her of her mother. I think there's a there's a difference in the value that we give things because the mother wasn't taking that time to invest in the purpose of the umbrella and instead trying to buy it and then invent it later. That's true. I also think about the old versus new here, right? And we really haven't talked a lot about that. We've talked about objects and nostalgia and the paperweight, the umbrella, etc. But if you think about buying things, buying new gives you certain... Hmm, buying things new does give you a certain set of pleasure, right? But inheriting something that is old, that is a, quote, family heirloom, also gives you a sense of pleasure or belonging to the past and your family, connecting you to your ancestors. So I kind of think about that of this old versus new when does it become a family heirloom? Because I'm, I'm thinking like this paperweight is a start of something special for this family and it'll be passed on to the daughter and the granddaughter. And it'll be like, oh, you know, this is my grandmother's who, she, you know, she saved up and worked really hard for this. And she told us stories of her mom was very mad that she got it. But now it means a lot to me and our family. 
that's something that's kind of cool of, of how we can connect with our ancestors, I think. Okay. I hadn't thought about that, but you're almost kind of bringing things together, right? Because I, I wasn't sure what to make of the economic discussion, right? Like, oh, now that the wars happened, because the bargain bin was like a seven-year-old memory, and now the, these umbrellas would be, you know, X times more expensive, right? It's like, 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 well, I don't think the purpose was just an economic value, but maybe that question right there, what makes something valuable, an heirloom, if you will, if we combine those two, you have the the experience, the touch with something, with it creating like that mnemonic trigger to be a memory, as well as the fact that you can't buy that. You can't go back and buy a memory per se. Well, I mean, broad stroke comment of, of <laughs> stuff that used to be at the house, right? Like, like you can spend four times, five times the money to buy that umbrella years later, right? And it's still just an umbrella, but it doesn't have the memories. It doesn't become the heirloom that could be passed down or something to remember someone by potentially. I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but I think there's something there with the value and the experience with a product and tying it to a personal memory. I agree with that because I've bought things off of eBay or resale sites and stuff uh, to try to replace something that I had lost or, you know, something happened. I don't have it anymore for whatever reason in my life. And it just it didn't it didn't hit that itch. Right. It, mm. It's like, oh, yeah, now I have this um, game or this object or this poster or whatever I got, you know, that reminded me of my childhood. But it wasn't mine. It wasn't one that my grandma bought me. It wasn't the one my mom bought me. It wasn't the one that I saved up my $5 a week for four months to be able to purchase. It, it, it doesn't have that, that feel to it that it makes it mine or makes it me or makes it, you know, part of my history. So I 100% I, I agree with that. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it, but I, I know exactly like when you said that where you're saving up your five dollars a week, it made me think there was like this used video game shop by me and they literally have like a four page printed piece of paper of the video game and how much it costs used at their store. And there's something to be said about, you know, saving up and you bought it. Like I could go online right now and buy Contra. I could go online and buy Kid Icarus, but they weren't my Contra. They weren't my Kid Icarus from the 80s. I, I get what you're saying there for sure. <laughs> oh the 80s no internet <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks for listening to our talk do you like yasunari kawabata's story here and what were some of the main takeaways that you had if you enjoyed today's conversation but aren't sure what to add uh i don't think there's a paperweight icon why don't you leave us an umbrella icon pop a little umbrella icon down below if you enjoyed today's conversation but aren't sure what to add we'd appreciate it my name has been una thank you for spending time with us today Peace. Peace.